Welcome back to Gnostic Insights. My name is Dr. Sid Ropp, and I'm your host. Welcome back to Gnostic Insights. Today's episode is an interview with one of your fellow listeners to Gnostic Insights and the Gnostic Reformation on Substack. Her name is Hathaway Jane, and Hathaway wrote to me saying how much the Gnostic Insights episodes have meant to her. She's also purchased and read The Simple Explanation of Absolutely Everything and A Simple Explanation of the Gnostic Gospel, of the tripartite tractate, and she has some very kind words to say about how meaningful they have been to her. She said she'd like to talk to me on the phone, and I suggested that we go ahead and do it as a public interview so that we can share her growth and her path with everyone else here. Hathaway has studied Jungian analysis independently for many years now, for the past 15 years. She's studied Carl Jung's writing, particularly the Red Book and the Black Book, and then all of the other books that Jung wrote, as she says in the interview. And I find this remarkable because Jung is not easy to read. And Hathaway did this with a high school education at the time. She's now attending university and she is in her last year of college studies. And after she graduates from the university, she wants to attend the Pacifica Graduate Institute in order to become a Jungian analyst. She studied Carl Jung independently through the Center for Applied Jungian Studies, which you can find on the internet. And she's also part of the Philemon Foundation. So let's hear Hathaway's journey. <laughs> hey, Hathaway. Yes, how are you? I'm just fine this morning. How are you? I'm good. It's so nice to hear your voice. <laughs> Welcome to the program. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, no problem. I think your book is incredible. I'm not kidding. I mean, I have told you in my life, I lived through my ego self 100%. And I definitely had different personas that I put on for my family, so-called friends, people I thought were my friends. And it's strange because I think I told you from 16 to about 29, I was an addict. And every day I wake up and I feel so incredibly blessed. Yeah. Just because seriously, I mean, I know how hard it is. I know that I honestly, I shouldn't be here. Like there was a few times that came real close to, I wasn't here and my life was such a crazy mess. I can't even explain it. I got sober and I still was just in something inside me just was like, ever since I was a child, this is what I've always felt this way. I've always felt like off. I don't know how to explain it really. Mm-hmm. Like I wasn't like the other kids. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was an only child. I spent a lot of time alone and just went through some experiences that I would never wish upon anybody. And I made it out. And I yeah. see so many people who don't. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
right now our country's in the middle of an opiate crisis, which nobody talks about. And it's just like, what is going on here? And I honestly do believe that everything that's going on here is a spiritual matter. Mm -hmm. And so I started with Carl Jung. And I don't know if you know a lot about Jung, but Carl Jung, his whole life, he started writing the Red Book. And this was his own personal notes and all these beautiful mandalas that he drew. And then he built himself a little, it was like not little, but it's quite big. It's at Bollingen. It's, they call it the little castle. Mm. And this castle, it's so symbolic. It's, he built it because of his dream. Because one day Jung said to himself, I'm 40 years old. He's like, what is this? I don't want to go to cocktail parties. This is stupid. He's like, I have everything I need. I have more money than I could ever want. I'm successful. I'm known. He's like, this isn't life. There has to be something beyond this. And he started asking himself, do I know my soul? And he went through this whole transformation where he literally was like begging his soul to speak to him. Mm -hmm. And his soul did in his dreams. Now, I don't have dreams like that. So Jung has another way of doing it, which is called active imagination. Mm -hmm. I do mine through a learned meditation where I, I go to a trance level. But after reading the Red Book, I got very involved in CASH, which is like Center for Applied Union Studies. And my first teacher was a man by the name of Shane Enyon. He's a psychoanalysis. He's incredible. Like I was so blessed. And for the first time in my life, I was just like, it just, it really did. It smacked me in the face. And I was like, oh my gosh. And then I was like, oh my gosh. Because then I thought, I am out here racking up credit card debt to buy stuff I don't need. Like I am living in this illusion. And that's a very weird thing to experience. Now, how long after you had become sober did you discover the unions? Probably about 10 years after I'd been sober. And during those 10 years, I wasn't a nice person. I judged people, the friends I hung out with. It was just like, there was this narrative and nobody knew any different. And so we just all followed this narrative. And I grew up in a very small town. So all those 10 years, I always felt there has to be something more than this. Like this can't be life. I have to grow old talking about this kind of stuff and mm -hmm. doing the same thing every weekend. I mean, don't get me wrong. If you, that's what you love to do, go do it. But it just wasn't for me. And I picked up The Spokes Are Sutra by Nietzsche. And Nietzsche mentioned Jung in some further reading. And I was like, who's Jung? And so I <laughs> looked up Jung <laughs> and I was reading about this man. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this man thinks like I do. And I bought the red book, the black books and every book Jung ever wrote. And I've mm -hmm. read all of them. Mm -hmm. So right off the bat, you jumped straight into Jung. Wow. Yeah. Because you, you, you didn't go to college, right? At I that did. Time? I, I, no, not at that time. Um, I did. I have three years of college. I only have one year left. And this is why I think Jung called it synchronicity. And it definitely applies to your books. Because I just, I just was like, oh, my gosh, when I read your book, I immediately called my husband. And I was like, Stephen, I'm like, I don't <laughs> think you understand how important this book is. <laughs> like, yeah. And I said it to him and, and he cannot get enough of it. He is just like blown away. Wow. Well, that that's really great to hear. 
I mean, really said how, I don't know how you did the, I mean, I feel like, <laughs> like God went right through you and just let you right away. Well, I kind of think that's how it happens because 15, 20 years ago, when I discovered my theory of everything, which is the simple explanation of absolutely everything, that's the secular version. That's the sciencey, mathy version. Yeah. And, and then, I, yeah, go ahead. No, I have both those books. Yep. Yeah. So then late, it was like 15 years after that, I discovered the Gnostic, the Nag Hammadi and the tripartite tractate. And I already had my superstructure in my mind really firmly by that time. The simple explanation is a really nice frame to interpret just everything. That's why it's called of absolutely everything. And by the way, when I wrote the simple explanation, I didn't sit down to write it. Now, I don't necessarily believe in channeling and that kind of thing, but what I sat down to write was a play based upon my dissertation, which is the trial of a California midwife. And instead of writing the California midwife, boom, here come the principles from the simple explanation. I wrote the simple explanation in about two days. So obviously it was led by God. That is so amazing. That is so amazing. And that's when I picked up your book. I was like, because Carl Jung has written, a, you know, the Red Book is basically another version of your book, but it's very, very, and Jung did this on purpose because you got to remember back in, he was born in 1875. Mm-hmm. So back in that time, his biggest fear was being called a mystic. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it would have destroyed him. People back yeah. then had a very different mindset. And, you know, Jung's Red Book did not come out till 2009. And when he was dying, he said, this book is not for this age. And when I die, he's like, don't you dare publish it. He's like, at least wait 20, 30 years. Wow. If somebody wouldn't have wrote it down, I would be in such a different place. And I really do believe that life is supposed to be enjoyed. And I feel like the narrative out there is so opposite. I mean, honestly, I stopped watching TV eight years ago. Mm-hmm. And ever since I've been back at my, I, when I go to my mom's, she has that TV on. It's like, I, it's like looking through 20 veils and I'm like, oh my gosh, you can really see what and how they push it and mm-hmm. the biases and everything. And I'm just like that box, I call it the idiot box, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think it's funny that's called tell a vision. Oh, because <laughs> it's telling you a vision, right? And it's not a nice vision. <laughs> no. And a lot of it is very controlled. It, it's like, it's just the same regurgitation of everything that's always been there. I see the dumbing down of America and I see friends who I have who they're work themselves to near death to buy all these things that they don't end up using. I mean, mm-hmm. it's about literally what neighbors, you know, boats bigger, who has the nicer car. And I'm just like, I can't play that game. Like there's so much more out there. You know, I did notice my mom had that television on. I was like, mom, just look at what they're like. At. She was like, oh my gosh. She's like, I never really realized it that way. And I was, it's just, <laughs> it was just interesting. I don't know. It's the narrative. It really is. It's the collective unconscious. Jung talks a lot about you have your conscience and then there's the collective unconscious and the collective unconscious has been around since man has been around. And that's in our DNA. Neil deGrasse Tyson, you know, I love how he always says 
we're all made of stardust, but I wish he would elaborate on that because I think people don't really understand or pick that up or really are able to picture it that all are connected through energy in a very serious way. Yeah. And it's not recognized. I mean, it is in some religions in some countries, but not in this country. Well, now, do you think that there is a malevolent force that is purposely enslaving people? I do. Our government's one of them. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody's government. Government. I know. I said every government is one of them. I do believe that, gosh, I've traveled a lot and I'm glad I did that when I was younger. Going to other countries and seeing how other people lived was probably one of the best things I ever did. Just because when you grow up in America, it's like you're a piece of clay and you just get formed very easily into this mindset of this is life and this is how you do it. And this is where you go and do. And yeah. and I just, I just was like, this isn't right. My sister and I met up in Tibet. And when I was there, those monks just blew my mind. It really showed me a different side of life that there was nothing material. And they were probably some of the happiest people I've ever met. Yeah. And you know, and it's like, they're very isolated. But fascinating, because I remember one of them said to me, he's like, you have so many superpowers that have been taken away from you. He's like, you don't even know how many powers you actually have. And at the time, I was kind of like, I kind of get it. You know, I'm like, okay. And like, I'm wondering, like, what does he mean by that? And then when I met a specific group of people who I have a very, very good teacher who has taught Eastern and Western mysteries by two masters in the East, two masters in the West. Mm -hmm. And there is actually kind of a playbook. And the thing that's really hard about the Western mysteries and the Eastern mysteries is there's kind of a belief in that community that they don't ever find you. You find them. Mm -hmm. And if you find them, then then it's meant to be. Yeah. Seek and ye shall find. Yes. That's a very hard, hard belief. So like, Once I found my teacher, I was taught how to do ascension prayer, which is a specific kind of prayer. And at first, he doesn't tell you why, or he's like, here, these is what you just need to do. But now after a year and a half, I understand fully why. But he Mm -hmm. never tells you the answers to anything. (laughs) Because <laughs> you have to find that you have to find them for yourself. Because <laughs> if he tells you, then you're, it's, you know, you're, it's biased. He's like, my experiences is, aren't going to be your experiences. He's like, so he's like, this is a very cut and dry thing. Like, I, I'll, I'll give you, you know, the stuff to do and you do it. And that's when things really changed. We're about a year and a half ago because I had just come out of a situation that was really, I just had a really bad experience with the people in my neighborhood. I had two pit bulls and they all all hated my dogs. I thought they were just these vicious dogs and they weren't. One was a service dog for my husband, a federal service dog. And my husband has been gone and I had both dogs myself and the neighborhood I didn't know had like a gossip little page or whatever. And they were, (laughs) somebody's dogs got attacked or whatever. And I, I found this page and I'm like, that's why everybody left and right was calling animal control on me. And I'm like, what's going on? And so I found this page and it was too late because the guy who the animal control officer was so persistent that he ended up telling me, if you don't kill those dogs, I am. And he just marked them as extremely dangerous dogs. He's like, now you have to go to court and all this stuff. And I had to move out. And I I was like in a situation, I had to put my dogs down. No. 
Yeah. Well, by the way, were they running wild or were no. they a- a- no. out of the yard? I mean, no. what, what was their no. claim against them? No, pit bulls. Just, just like the them. breed, period. Yep, period. Lady's dog got attacked in the neighborhood yeah. and some gossip started. And for six months, and I have screenshots of this entire thing. She erased it the minute I found it because we're taking you all to court. The officer yeah. was like, that's not a service dog. And I showed him all the military papers. My husband, I mean, this is my husband's service dog. I'm like, this dog has been, I mean, this dog is like seriously a $20,000 dog who's been trained to like on command to sit and stay in one spot and we could walk away and he'll for an hour, he'll be sitting there. <laughs> like yeah, your service dogs are t- trained. They can't, you can't have a wild service dog. Yeah, of course. And they were so insistent. And this lady's like, my dog's got attacked. And somebody in the neighborhood was like, it had to have been those pit bulls. And I found their little site and I said, I went on there and I said, I'm so sorry. You think it was my dogs. Unfortunately, that evening I was in Hutchinson, Minnesota. And I was, and mm. I have it on my phone. And uh. I mean, that was really traumatizing. Oh, I'll say. I mean, our dogs were our kids. Well, absolutely. I love, I love my animals so much. Oh my gosh. I know. I love, I love, oh, I love animals. I just yeah. always have my whole life. I've always preferred animals to people to tell you the truth. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I, Mark Twain said that too. I remember he was like, I think I prefer my dogs to, the, to the, my friends. Yeah. <laughs> that was a period in life where I could make a choice. I could either break down, freak out, yeah, do all the things I used to do, or I could sit down with myself and say, I don't know why this is happening, but it's happening for a reason. And I don't know why. And and that's exactly what happened. Mm -hmm. It doesn't excuse what they did, but Mm -hmm. I understand now. I don't believe that there's coincidences in life. I just don't. I don't believe that, you know, people are like, why does bad stuff happen? And I'm like, I don't think bad stuff happens. I just think we look at it as bad mm-hmm. and we handle it that way. Mm-hmm. And we don't, we don't ever look into the future at all. Like why, you know, and I, I didn't, I, I reached into my soul and I, at that time I did not believe in God. I came from a Lutheran family. My grandma was very religious, but I never believed in a higher power. And I'll never forget after I had put my dogs on one night, my heart hurt so bad. And I just said, I was like, God, I'm like, please forgive me for all the things I've done in life. And I was like, but I need to know you're here and that you're real. And yeah. all of a sudden, I saw God and the most overwhelming feeling of love and light and warmth filled my body. This is an experience I will never forget. <sighs> and I, I saw God and I didn't see him like standing there. It wasn't like my eyes were, but I could see in my mind, this presence and it was thick and it was so warm and it was so loving. It was just pure love. And at that very moment, my entire life changed drastically. I was already into Jung. I had already worked on myself, but that was real. That was so real. I mean, I remember I called my mom and my dad the next day and my dad hadn't passed away yet. And I was like, dad, I saw God. I'm like, dad, I saw God. I'm like, dad, dad, dad. And my dad was like so happy because he, my whole life, I always would joke around. I'd be like some hippies smoking, some weed wrote the Bible. You know, I was like, 
who knows who wrote that thing? You know, and my used to joke around about it sarcastically with my dad. And he was like, you really don't believe? And I was like, no. And I didn't. I wanted to. It's just, I felt like my life had had so much tragedy in it and so much chaos. And then I realized, yeah, it did. But all of that needed to happen in order for me to be able to, to know God on a personal level, even or Christ. I don't really have like names that I put to them. Like, I know some people have a really big problem with the word God because they've had bad experiences. Mm-hmm. So I will tell people sometimes they're like, I don't know if I can go there. And I'll be like, don't go there. I'm like, think of something that has loved you unconditionally, even if it's a pet, which most people end up picking. <laughs> and I say <laughs> to them, now take that pet's name and make a little name for that pet and just for now, we'll call that your star word and take your star word and that's God and pray to that because you are praying to God. He doesn't have to have the name God. Uh-huh. And I found out that that really helps a lot of people because like I said, the word God has been just shoved into so many different areas. And well, you know, our I- definition of God is it's memes. Those uh-huh. are human memes. Those aren't God. Yeah. And so people have negative associations to all of these memes that they've been taught is God, but it's not God. So it's just not. fine to peel off that label and just yeah. be open to the numinescent or the, the higher. I was talking to a lady yesterday and she calls it the source. Yeah. And a lot of people I know too will call it the source. So I did. And my name was Zawata because my dog's names were Zowie and Avi. And Your dog's name was Zoe? Yeah, Zoe. It's Zowie and Avi. Yeah. One of my one of my dog's name is Zoe. Are you kidding me? No. Uh-uh. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You know what Hebrew that means? River? Like, I think it means life. Well, that see, river, like life. Totally. Yes. Like yes. The running river of life. Right. It's yeah. the li- and and now that we're Gnostic, it's the river of life that's flowing down from the source and through the fullness and into us. That is so crazy that our dogs have the same name. Yeah. <laughs> and Avi cool. means the father. Sure. Like, you know, I mean in Hebrew it's you know Abraham, like father. Like right. so it's lovely. I, dogs have the same name. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And when I do talk to people and I, people are like, well, I don't get like explain Jung to me. And I'm like, uh, like you got 10 hours. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. You know, it's like, it is hard. It's hard sometimes when people ask me, what are you doing? Like, what are you going to school for? And when I tell them I'm going to school to be a union analysis, they're like, well, what is that? And I'm like, well, you know what therapy is, right? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, well, it's, like that but it's totally not that i mean (laughs) it's it's a commitment it's a four-year commitment when you have had trauma in your life it messes with everything it messes down to your cells down to the atoms Mm. in your body Mm -hmm. all the way to the way you think and function and see life and i see so many people who have been so traumatized that most of them either drink themselves out of it or they use some kind of substance or they got some kind of like niche that just belongs to them. Anything to not feel that or think about it or even address it. And I do really believe in this country that a lot of people have suffered a lot of trauma and it's not spoken about. 
Well, you know, it's not only the trauma of your family or your relationships, uh, you know, life. It's the trauma of this fake culture that we were talking about. Yeah. This, uh, well, I I don't know what to call it other than this fake culture that we're being programmed into. And it's trying to- The Jones thing. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And so it's, 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 it's jamming a square peg into our round holes and it, that is not what it's meant to be. And that's why people are no. so unhappy because you can't replace the spirit with materialism. No, no. I know people who are millionaires and they're miserable. And I know people who are like, oh, if I had money, be, I'm like, no, it wouldn't. I know. Yeah. Like, no, it wouldn't be better. You would have the same problems like that doesn't solve anything, you know? And I remember, so growing up, I was huge into hip hop and rap. And my sister worked for BMG in Chicago at the time. And Notorious B.I.G. had just been killed. And I'll mm. I'll never forget that era. And then into the years 2006, especially 2006, 2005. In the African-American community, there was so much chaos going on. And there was so much being pushed. And it was done by the record companies and they were like hey if you're not gangster rapping we don't want to hear about it yeah for real they were like i mean because when rap first came out there was a lot of like tribe called quest it was very positive rap but literally they had a huge executive meeting with like five of the biggest labels and they were like look you aren't gangster rapping we don't want to hear it oh wow so let's just spread negativity as far and wide as we can yeah, let's push um, you know, gangs and bloods and crips and yeah. you know, and because I hung out with a lot of those people were my friends, I watched it. And now I can look and be like, "Oh my gosh." To witness that, to witness how something so small, how something as beautiful as poetry rap. Yeah. And for executives to take it and literally say, "Well, it better be gangster." you know, better be hard or we're just going to ignore you. And for a long time, it was that way. I want to say until Kanye West came out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Leave it to Kanye to bring yeah, it. Yeah, Kanye. <laughs> <laughs> right. And of course, by the way, the same thing is happening. You don't watch television. I happen to watch too much television. But the streaming services, they are becoming more and more perverse with, you know, pretty much with every show that they issue. It's just going down and down and down. It's awful. See, that's why I just can't watch. Like, seriously, I can't watch it. Like, my mom watches the soap opera. I mean, I get it. She likes it, whatever. But I'm just like, yeah. mom, you do know that this is like the farthest thing from reality, right? <laughs> it's like, yeah. She's like, yes, I do. But I even see it, you know, sometimes when I do see the TV, if I'm at somebody's house and like a politician is on, I just am aghast at like what they're the things that come out of their mouths. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Like, like, really? I just I don't know. Well, politicians are a special class of human. I mean, they have to be power driven. Obviously, they're power driven. So so that's just that's that's the baseline of that. It's all ego. Hey, so all ego. You were talking about in the first part of your life, you were driven by ego. And now I imagine the inverse of that, just that you're being driven by or seeking or being guided by, let's say, love and compassion and and spirit. Yeah. Yeah. Every day. I mean, I wake up every day and I, I never, you know, Jung said something that resonated with me and I'll never forget it when I read it. And this was like five years ago. He was like, the minute a patient walks in the door, I have 
any judgment, I might as well tell them to walk out and go away. And I'm like, oh my God, he's right. And you know, humans judge people three seconds. That's how long we take to judge somebody. Sure. It just blows my mind in three seconds, like psychologically, that's how quickly we judge someone. So I've had to train my brain and it's strange, but when I meet people, I don't know, I don't take that approach anymore and I can't take it because I've trained myself out of it. So it doesn't matter what you look like or where you come from. That's not it. it it's your soul that I care about. Yeah, but do, do you judge their soul? I mean, do you think, oh, they're spiritual or, oh, they're lost in ego? I mean, is that a form of judgment? No, because I don't know. Mm -hmm. Honestly, in reality, unless I can sit down with that person and get to know them, I don't know if that's just their persona, one of their personas they're putting on and deep inside, they're doing it for their family or they're doing it to impress friends. But deep inside, you know, I'm miserable and I pray to God every day for something. And mm -hmm. by, I just, I can't judge people. I just can't do it. It's really hard for me to, I mean, even when I see somebody do something that is not very nice, the first thing that's goes through my head is what happened to them to make them want to project that onto others. Yeah, that's a, that's a very wonderful reaction. I, I need to get to that place. I, I'm very judgmental in a negative way. And uh, it's not a good thing. I, I, I am loving. I want to be loving. And when I know the person, I fully love them. But strangers, boom, boom, boom. It just, uh, you know, rubs me the wrong way. No, and it's not an easy thing to do. I mean, when I first started and I was like, really, like, I cannot do what I meant to do if I have that mindset of mind. So, you know, when somebody's super rude to you, yeah, right, and then right. right away, you want it like these uh, right away. It's like these, it's automatic. It's like, right, it's and, boom, right back at them. Yeah, it's like, pow, right back. It's like that right. fight or flight thing. And it's like, I had to literally shut that down and just be like, Hey, 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 I know you maybe think I cut you off. And if I did, I am so sorry, but I hope you have a great day. And yeah. I'm, I'm sorry that you're angry. And I really wish you the best. Mm -hmm. And I've had literally people break down crying mm -hmm. because nobody's ever been nice to them. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So it's not always easy, but I know that I feel like if if God was watching me, he's like, yeah. you already know what to do. <laughs> yeah. So like, okay, got it. Well, that's wonderful. Yeah. So that's that's a little bit of my story. Oh, I'm so glad to have talked with you, Pathway, or that you've talked with us. I think that what you're sharing with us today is going to be so helpful to many people. Can you give anyone a first step or anything they should do or a website they should yeah. visit or anything uh like this? they should definitely get your book. And I tell everybody to get the red book. And you know what? You better get a dictionary. Uh, yeah, right. That for the red book. book, but not for my book, yep. right? My book is nope. simple. The red book. Yeah, because Jung was a scholar and he wrote in his time in the way they wrote, which is yeah. very confusing. But even if you don't do the red book, you know, there's plenty of YouTube channels. I mean, in South America and in South Korea, Jung is huge. I mean, there's a K-pop band who just wrote a record about him. I mm. mean, and it's kind of interesting because nobody knew who Jung was like 10 years ago. And I've got to watch this like huge wave and people, oh, Carl Jung, I know who you're talking about. And I'm like, really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. That's interesting. I mean, yeah. I've got to see that, which is really cool. And I've seen it 
in people and I've seen it and definitely in different cultures. I mean, the K-pop thing just shocked me. Yeah. I, like what? Like these teenagers are making a record about individuation and finding their souls. So you think my book, The Simple Explanation of the Gnostic Gospel would be helpful? Yes. Oh gosh. Said when I read your book, I was just ecstatic. I, my, like my husband said, he's like, I've never seen anybody write so just blunt and honestly. Right. And yet, and so clearly he's like, and yet I do have to go back and read each chapter. He's like, because I'm not used to the narrative. And I'm like, exactly. Like, right. I do said, I think, I think your book is for the ages to come and the ages here. <laughs> That's nice. Okay. Gee, All what right. a perfect note to end on. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's our interview with Hathaway Jane. Here's a postscript to the interview that Hathaway mailed me today. She says, After speaking with you, I told my teacher that I appreciated everything he had taught me, but I know it's time to move on. Most of the teaching was directions on ascending to the other realms, but I don't feel that is my path. I cannot explain it, and I don't know if I ever will, but your book changed my thought process. I told you of the experience of the process Jung read about and how it's close to your book, just very long and extremely difficult to read. I read your book at least a few times a week, and I have to study it in order to soak in everything. I told you about my experience of feeling and seeing God. When I read your book, it feels like I'm going over knowledge I used to know. Forgotten, but I feel a fraction of the same overwhelming love I felt that night. I'm not sure what is next, but I hope we remain friends and get your book into more hands. I know so many people who are lost and I feel like they can't get basic answers. Or they have to pay some guru or hope they discover a cult-like setting by chance. I know that usually leads to more confusion. I'm sure I will have more questions. All I know is that the more I read and listen to the Gnostic Gospel, your book, and your podcast, the more synchronicities become clear. Much love, Hathaway. And that's exactly it. I've always said that a simple explanation is a paradigm-shifting theory of everything because it has a whole different way of looking at the way the physics and chemistry and everything goes together. And this simple explanation of the Gnostic gospel is also paradigm-shifting of conventional Christianity, but I believe in a better way. It helps us to know the Father better and deeper. It helps us to understand the difference between the Son, the Christ, and Jesus and they're all important, and they're all glorious. So let's give more glory to God. That's the goal here. If any of you listeners would like to have a discussion with me that we would then possibly broadcast for other people's edification, I think it's important to share our Gnostic journeys with each other, because everyone comes to Gnosis in their own way and through their own insights. So if you feel as though you have something that you'd like to share with others, please write to me using the comments form here at Gnostic Insights, or you can leave a comment directly at the Substack Gnostic Reformation page. God bless us all. Onward and upward. <laughs>